Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Well, here's something I believe with all my heart, and it's that whatever its challenges and difficulties, true life and real living can indeed be something that is holy and good. And it begins with a voice, the voice of God. That's the subject of today's message, which is based on Psalm 29 and the story of Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And this message starts with some thoughts on the nature of sacraments in and outside of the church. We are a church that is, by its very nature, sacramental. Now, by definition, a sacrament is a holy act and a visible sign declaring the promise of the gospel to those who receive it with faith and gratitude. As Christians, we believe that a sacrament is holy because Jesus Christ himself, by word or example, instituted it. Now, in most Protestant churches, including the congregational tradition of which we're a part here, baptism and communion are the two celebrations of the church that are recognized as sacrament. The Roman Catholic Church, on the other hand, also recognizes at least five other rites of the church as being sacramental. Confirmation, penance, ordination, matrimony, and the sacrament of the sick, which used to be referred to as last rites. Now that's not to say that these are of lesser value or, or lesser importance in our tradition, friends. It's just that for us in this tradition, communion and baptism hold a special significance in the Christian life. And that's why we refer to them and hold them dear as sacramental. Now, we believe that the sharing of these sacraments make for uh, the most intimate part of the worship experience and that they stand as amongst the most meaningful parts of one's walk of faith. Sacrament, you see, is by its very nature a physical act. It is a time when we touch Christ and Christ touches us, a moment in which our own relationship with the Holy begins to take shape and grow. It's true when we baptize an infant or an adult here, and it is always true when we gather before the Lord's table to share in the bread and the cup. It's a sacrament for us. Now, all these ecclesiastical expressions aside, however, I gotta tell you that I've always loved what Frederick Beekner. Uh, great Vermonter that he is, has written about the nature of sacraments. He says that while in the midst of such church-oriented milestone moments, you are apt to catch a glimpse of the almost unbearable preciousness and mystery of life. I love that. But he goes on, church isn't the only place where the holy happens. He goes on to say that, that sacramental moments can occur at any moment, any place, and to anybody. For instance, watching somebody be born, sharing love, a high school graduation, 
Someone who comes to see you when you are sick. Having a meal with somebody you love. Looking into a stranger's eyes and finding out that he's not a stranger after all. In fact, Beatner suggests, if we weren't all as blind as bats, we might just see that life itself is sacramental. I think that's one of my favorite of Beekner's quotes. And I love it because what Beekner's words serve to remind us is that in amidst all of life's many and myriad experiences is found example after example of the mighty hand of God at work. I mean, there's so much of the holy that's happening all around us, so much in our lives, friends, that is truly sacramental in nature. But really, it only becomes sacramental, you see, if we have the eyes to see it for what it really is. Now, what's interesting is that in my own work as a church pastor, I am, by definition and by the ecclesiastical authorization through the United Church of Christ, a minister of word and sacrament. I have been authorized to administer the sacraments as a representative of the church. And so, as you can imagine, I deal with that which is sacramental all the time. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it's not always in the way you expect. Not everything is covered in the book of worship. There's communion and baptism, absolutely, but there's also, for instance, what I like to refer to as the sacrament of the Sunday school Christmas pageant. <laughs> Especially on those inevitable moments every year in one way or another when one of our little ones or maybe a few of our big ones literally start grooving to the Virgin Mary had a baby boy. It's in the sacrament of Silent Night sung by candlelight in this sanctuary. Or for that matter, it's the sacrament of reaching for the high notes and up from the grave he arose on a frigid Easter morning. There's the sacrament of fellowship, the sacrament of laughter that is experienced at bean suppers, holiday fairs, and countless other gatherings that are not expressly about worship, as well as the sacrament of sorrows shared and of burdens mutually borne in our times of grief and struggle and uncertainty. And within that, there is the sacrament of prayers ascending. And those prayers ascending not merely on a Sunday morning, but on every other day of the week. See, what I experience on a regular basis, friends, is in my work as your pastor here, are the sacraments of not-so-random acts of kindness, of words of encouragement spoken at just the right moment, and of standing up for and with those in need. These are the sacraments that are revealed through countless untold blessings of our having been drawn together as this community, this true family of faith. And the sacrament as well that comes from knowing this palpable sense of God's presence and his power and his love. And not as it turns out, necessarily here at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, 
but just as often at some other time and place during the week. Perhaps even in amidst a situation where one of you least expected to find God at work, but, and yet there he was. I tell you all this to remind you that, that while ours is a shared ministry of word and sacrament, the truth is, is that sacrament doesn't always happen at church. For when you and I experience something like what I've been talking about, something like God in our lives, whether that, uh, that, that experience comes in joy or in peace or in struggle, or even in the wake of the greatest tragedy that life dishes out for us, then all of that, all of life becomes a sacrament. A sacrament that is something most holy and good and fully imbued with God's presence and power and love. In fact, I would go so far as to suggest to you this morning that the only places where true life and real living begins and grows and flourishes is when we hear the voice of God in it. It all begins, you see, with a voice. A voice that is at times raucous and profound as thunder that crashes across the silence of a summer night. At other times, a voice that is gentle and as subtle as the sound of crickets after that storm. It begins with a voice that's tympanic, symphonic. That's how the message describes it. A voice that's filled with glory and strength and full of majesty. It begins with a voice, the voice of God. Now, realize, of course, when I speak to you now about the voice of God, I'm referring to the biblical understanding of what that voice is. For when the people of the Old and New Testaments referred to the voice of the Lord, they were not so much referring to an audible speaking voice coming down from out of heaven, although, as we indicated in the New Testament reading today, there are, the scripture is full of moments where that's the case. They were just as much referring to the ongoing activity and the powerful nature of God in that voice. What you'll always find throughout scripture is that the words the Lord spoke are almost always synonymous with the words the Lord did. It's all right there, if you want to look it up, in the very first few verses in Genesis. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Actually, here's a little translation info for you this morning. When we read the English translation of Scripture, it sort of suggests kind of cause and effect, right? First God said it, and then it happened. But when you look at the original Hebrew, it's a lot more direct and to the point. In other words, what the Hebrew suggests here, and I'm not even going to try to, to read it to you in Hebrew today, but at God's very utterance, it's already been done. And the deed is done with power and with might. In the process, shifting all that we ever expected to be true about life. Everything changes to be in accordance with his will. God said it, and it is done. 
We see this very clearly in our reading this morning from Psalm 29 that Joyce shared with us, in which the psalmist sings, and by the way, remember here that these psalms were in fact meant to be sung. They are songs to be offered up with all due emotion and with greater praise. The psalmist sings, the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. And throughout this whole song, we are bearing witness to a God of action. A God who, when he speaks, the oaks whirl, the forests are stripped bare, strength is given to his people. In fact, God's involvement in every aspect of life and in creation is so readily apparent in this psalm and to all the people of God that in the temple, all simply cry, Glory. That's what happens when the voice of the Lord speaks. So with all that in mind, friends, it really is no coincidence that the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ begins first with baptism, but then only with the voice of God. And even then, even then, as we read that very brief passage that Matthew offers about the baptism of Christ, we find that that voice is manifest in action and divine love, with the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus like a dove from the heavens, opening up the, right at the precise moment. And then there's this voice, a voice akin to a loving parent, perhaps a voice that even a mother would sound like as she's cradling a child in her arms. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. You folks have heard over the years me referring to the celebration of baptism in the church as a sacrament of welcome. And, and I really do think that's an apt description. Whether it's the christening of an infant or it's an adult baptism, this Sacrament is a welcome into a life of faith. It's a blessing for the beginning or the continuance of a journey towards whatever life brings. And it's an affirmation of God's presence and love that has been there and will continue to be there through every step of the journey. And, and as we read this passage from Matthew, that's what's happening here. It is a visible and audible sign of God's active and continuing involvement of the redemption of his people. It's important to note, I think, that the ministry of Jesus Christ then did not begin in a vacuum, but it begins with the voice of God, a voice that was heard and felt by his people that were gathered that day around the, the River Jordan, a voice that, that even now reminds you and me, of the holy presence of God in our lives, yours and mine. It reminds us of our baptism. It reminds us of who and whose we really are. God says it, and it is so. You know, actually, lately, I've been thinking a lot that for all the, the sacramental aspects of what I do as a pastor... Really and truly, at the end of the day, I'm really more of an officiant than the actual provider. And by that, I mean I'm not really the one who baptizes the baby. I get to do the liturgy. I get to hold that baby in my arms. But I'm not baptizing the baby, per se. 
any more than I am the one who sanctifies the wedding vows between two people in love. Any more than I'm the one who makes that simple meal of bread and grape juice the body and blood of Christ. I am simply the intercessory of what God is doing. I am, as I often pray with the choir, in this instance, the instrument of the music that God wants to be played at that moment. God is the one who does the baptizing, friends. God is the one who blesses the marriage vow. God in Jesus Christ, by his great and redeeming love, is the one who makes the elements of bread and wine infinitely more than the commonplace. In all of these sacraments, and all the others I could name as well, there is first the voice of the Lord. This voice speaking in and through our hearts, in and through our lives, in the fellowship that of faithful and kindred hearts, speaking to us so powerfully and so utterly personally that the very ways that we speak, that the, that the ways we act and the ways we choose to love become perceptively shifted in positive and creative ways. Gotta tell you, friends, I know in my heart of hearts that I have heard that voice speaking to me. And, and it is what has carried me through all the continued journeys of my life. And unless I miss my guess here, I suspect that you have heard that voice too. Because we do experience that voice. In the, in the countless ways that God's Spirit moves us in unexpected, life-renewing ways. We hear it in the comings and goings of our daily lives. If we'll have the ears to hear what's being said to us. See, that's the good news here today. The good news is that all the love and all the peace and all the hope and all the joy that is manifest in the voice of Jesus Christ has been spoken. And even better, it keeps on being spoken, even right now. That's the good news, but that's also the challenge of the gospel, dear friends, for us to listen for the voice of God. So what do we say to this? What do you need to take with you this morning? Well, I think it's that we need to slow down for just a minute. That we need to be quiet for once. That we need to pause in the middle of the silence and listen for the voice that's inside of us. And we need to pay attention. For perhaps what we are hearing is the voice of the Lord seeking right here and right now to lift us higher so that we might walk along his pathways rather than just our own. We got to listen. Because just maybe, just maybe in the midst of all that other noise that fills up our ears on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour basis, we might just hear something like the voice of the Lord. And maybe, perchance, to experience something truly holy and very, very good. It all begins, you see, with a voice and with God. Thanks be to God, beloved. Amen and amen. Amen. 
And that's the message entitled, It Begins with a Voice. It was recorded during our January 12th service of worship at East Congregational Church. As always, if you'd like to hear these messages live and in person, as it were, or if you're looking for a good place to worship in this new year, I'd invite you to join us at East Church. Our worship happens every Sunday at 10 in the morning at the church on 51 Mountain Road in Concord, New Hampshire, and I would love the opportunity to greet you in person. And with that, we're at the end of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening. And I also thank you for your continued support of this podcast. And in that regard, I'd love to hear from you. You can do that by leaving a message on the podcast page. Just push the button that's there that says message. Or you can contact me on our Love to Tell the Story Facebook page. Either way, I'd welcome your comments and maybe your stories. So be in touch. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.